So why did I think that creating a nurture stream and sending emails to these people who were essentially cold contacts was ever going to work? That was totally wrong. So I had to go back and rethink all of this. I had to do the research. I had to spend the time. And that's when I got introduced to Flipping My Funnel. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Whether you're just getting started in your career or you're looking for advanced strategies and tactics, this podcast is for you. Well, thank you guys. Super excited to be talking to all of you today because as Sangram was saying, it's been a long journey. And one of the things that I'm especially excited about is to actually be going early in the day because then I get a chance to go see all the other sessions and uh, you know, actually learn from all of you guys rather than thinking about what I'm going to be talking about. So Sangram, thanks for getting me up nice and early. So it really has been a journey. And I think this is really important to, to really recognize in all of this that we didn't just start one day and all of a sudden we were doing account-based marketing. So this is something that I think we're all very familiar with, right? It's the idea that, you know, we're all supposed to be generating leads, but we've seen the fact that email inboxes, they're completely flooded, right? Social feeds are completely inundated with sponsored posts. By the way, it's just going to be fun to do that periodically. So we're really all facing the same challenge. And don't even, don't even get me started on a phone call. I mean, when's the last time anybody saw their phone ring and wasn't like, oh God, it's a salesperson, right? So reaching the prospect has gotten very, very difficult. And that challenge is something we're all facing on a daily basis. But on the other side of that, our sales leaders and our sales teams, they still really want quality. They want quality leads and they want quantity. And I don't think that's really that absurd for them to ask of us. But because it's gotten so hard, we have to really start to think about a different way to do it. So I think the challenge has become now that, again, they want lots of leads, but the leads they want essentially are someone who is in a buying cycle. Uh, they're a VP or C-level. They've come from uh, some huge account that they've been trying to land forever. And the person essentially hates every one of your competitors and they love you more than anything else in the world. So we're all chasing the unicorn, right? And I think this has become a little bit of a cliche in marketing. We're all chasing the unicorn, but this is a reality. This isn't a cliche, this is reality. So in one of the, the meetings that we were having internally talking about how to go after all of this, there was this moment that kind of happened where my boss turned to me and said the three letters that we're all here about, ABM. But this is the context in which he said it. Are we doing ABM? I don't think he had any idea what ABM was, but there was enough buzz around it and there was enough going on around it that he knew that he was supposed to ask me that question. So at the same time, I knew what ABM was, but just like so many of us, I didn't necessarily know where to start. So I'm sitting there and I'm going, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're doing it, we're doing it, yeah. And then I, I struggled with the, well, what do I say to him next? So I wanted to take this time today to walk you guys through my journey because the reality of it is, as Sangram kind of approached me about doing this and I started writing out everything and building a kind of list of what I was gonna talk about, I realized that I did more things wrong than I did right. So if there's anything you guys can get from today, it's what not to do. And it's, it's my goal in life to make sure that as you guys go into meetings and somebody presents an idea and it's what not to do, you do this and go, nah, Jeff said, don't do that. And they'll all go, who's Jeff? Don't worry about it, just don't do it. So that's kind of one of my goals here, you know, is to have the Jeffisms. So my journey, 
It was a long, long journey. Started back in Q3 of last year. We sat down and we said, okay, we're going we're gonna to relook at our ideal customer profile. And this was a really important exercise, right? We've all done this before. We look at our ICP and we say, who are we targeting? And the goal of all of this is to make sure that all of our effort, all of our budget, all of our time is spent on getting in front of the right people. So as we're going through this exercise, we're defining all of it. Again, that, those three little letters just kept coming up over and over. ABM, 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 ABM. And it became this strategic imperative that on October 1st, we launch ABM. So what did we do? We went back and started doing what a lot of people do. We started doing analysis of Salesforce and understanding, okay, we have this ICP. What accounts do we have? What accounts do we not have? What accounts do we have really old contacts on? What accounts are we missing specific roles with? And we started doing all this gap analysis and we were like, look at how cool we are. We have spreadsheets and pivot tables and it's all happening. We're so sophisticated and we're gonna build this amazing email nurture stream and it's gonna be absolutely insane. We wrote the best subject line ever. And then what happened? Nothing. So that was that moment where I said, oh boy, okay, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And I had a chance to talk to one of my mentors, Kelly Ford, who's sitting right over there. Don't worry, Kelly, I plan to be super nice. Which, by the way, Kelly has a session later today on being uh, the future CMO, and I don't plan on being a uh, senior director for that long, so I plan on being in that session. She said to me, well, you're doing it wrong. And I was like, ah, interesting. What am I doing wrong? And she's like, you sent a bunch of emails. And I just said in the beginning, email inboxes are completely flooded. So why did I think that creating a nurture stream and sending emails to these people who were essentially cold contacts was ever going to work? That was totally wrong. So I had to go back and rethink all of this. I had to do the research. I had to spend the time. And that's when I got introduced to flipping my funnel. I had built a plan to identify. It just so happens it was a horrible plan. So what I needed to do is go back and say, okay, how am I going to identify the right people? So I was having a conversation with a peer of mine um, Rodrigo Fuentes. And Rodrigo, I believe you're here today, CEO and founder of a company called Listen Loop. If you guys don't know him, definitely check him out. And Rodrigo said to me, hey man, have you ever thought about this idea of not ABM, but ABA, account-based advertising? And I was like, ooh, that's interesting. Let me think about that for a second. And what it was really about was this idea that like, you need to get people to self-select from the accounts you want to be talking to. So it's not a cold email. It's a compelling reason to actually reach out. That is in contrast to account-based marketing. And again, in my humble opinion, account-based marketing is now you have them in the funnel. What is the relevant and authentic thing that you're going to say to them that's really going to make a connection? So to give you guys a good example of a really good account-based marketing you know, campaign, I said to Joe before, I am actually wearing socks from Insight Squared right now. And uh, I've been in their phone. That's right, Joe. They sent me this lovely postcard. And what was really interesting about it is they asked me a question. Do you wonder why you're getting this? And what was really interesting is the answer was not only aligned to me and my business problem, it was aligned to what their platform actually solves for. So you know, what Sangram was saying before about this idea of expand and turn people into advocates. Well, now when we're sitting in meetings, people say, hey, listen, we need to talk about some of the system stuff. What was that sock company? 
And the reality is Insight Square keeps coming up. So really good example of an account-based marketing program versus an account-based advertising program. So I don't just want to talk in, you know, hypotheticals. I'll give you guys a little bit of visibility into how we're actually doing the ABA aspect of things. So again, we went back and said, we really need to understand who we're targeting, who we're trying to talk to. So we built our ICP. And again, I want to call out the fact that when we did this originally, the identify stage was just getting lists. And as Kelly will remind me, lists are not a lead source. They are a resource. So... And she wrote a great blog about it, by the way. She didn't put my name in it, thank you. But it was a really good blog because it's a really important fact. You need to think about this. You need lead sources that are going to deliver the right people. So we went back and we started working with some vendors, Madison Logic, um, working with them from a content syndication perspective and really making sure that we're driving in the right leads from the right companies, getting that content in front of them. We went back and started working with LinkedIn. Again, uh, first-party data on their side, so really super interesting stuff. Good way to get in front of people. And the last piece was lead space. And this is important um, because just because you're doing ABM doesn't mean you throw out inbound marketing. But as people come in, you need to make sure you understand whether they're fitting into your ICP or not. So every lead that comes into our, our system actually runs through lead space first. So I don't need to ask them 50 questions. We actually get that information. It doesn't append, puts them into the system. If they meet X, Y criteria, then they go into the ABM programs. So that was ABA. The next part of it was getting into ABM. So again, we didn't necessarily have a plan of how we were going to expand. So yes, we did the account gap analysis leveraging Salesify. Uh, we were using it the wrong way, but we, we went back and did it again and we ensured that we really were spending time thinking about this. We were leveraging Terminus from the perspective of, hey, listen, we've got this person in. Now we need to expand, right? We need to get to more people. So leveraging that tech to actually get visibility in front of other people in the organization. And Rain King was an interesting one for us because as we identified a new lead coming into the system, Rain King has the ability to go back and show you the hierarchy of that org. So we could go back and say, okay, Jeff came in. Who's Jeff's boss? We should talk to that person and then get that information and put them into our ABM programs. So back to one of the things I was doing wrong the first time around that I didn't have a plan to really talk to people from an omni-channel perspective. So I was just thinking about email. So we went back again, leveraging Terminus from a digital perspective. BWG, if you don't know these guys, are a really cool events company. They do hosted dinners with executives. Really great community, so great way to get that, that continued reach. And then Marketo, we were using that to actually, you know, launch a lot of these things, do a lot of our automation workflows, all that different stuff. And then, of course, calling campaigns. We wanted to make sure we were calling people, right? And my BDRs absolutely hate this, but three days a week, I make them come in around 7.30, 7.45, and actually start hitting the phones because, let's face it, most of the executives are sitting at their desks around that time getting caught up, and once their 9 o'clock hits, they're in meetings. So really making sure we were doing this from an omni-channel perspective. Now, one of the things that people then say along all of this is, wow, that's a, that's a hell of a lot of stuff. And how scalable is all of this? So that idea of scalability really comes up. And, you know, ABM has to be relevant. It has to be authentic. It has to really hit the personalization aspect of it. So how do you solve for that? Well, it comes down to, oh, it looks potential didn't scale very well on this slide. Uh, I can spell, I promise. What we did is we built this idea of potential that led to personalization. And it was very simple. And every organization is going to have a different way of looking at this. 
But what are the things that make somebody very high potential for you in regards to not becoming a customer, but becoming the best customer possible, right? And that means paying you a lot of money. So we went back and kind of looked at these things and said, okay, well, what are we going to do? What's this all going to lead to? So we built this model. For us, it was based on things like industry, you know, annual revenue, employee counts, geography, all these different things. But other you guys might have things like what kind of technology vendors are they using? Um, you know, how many advertising dollars are they spending? What does it all look like? Determine potential. And what potential does is it actually determines the level of personalization and engagement model that you actually put these people into. So let's start with the simplest, no touch. The engagement model there was simple. You're looking at it. We didn't necessarily put an engagement model behind this because if those people convert into customers, great. That's just kind of the low-hanging fruit things happen. But at the end of the day, it's really important for you to go back and say, what are we going to spend our time on versus what are we not? So no touch is just as important to understand as the rest of your touch and engagement models. So once we said, okay, we need to do mid-touch, we need to do high-touch, we said to ourselves, that's great and all, but what are we going to talk about? So having a framework that you guys can go back and refer to that really helps you understand at what stage of the journey, what am I going to talk to people about? What are the questions we need to answer? What are the channels that we're going to use? How are we going to measure this? And what's the content? Just setting up that framework is the first step in establishing the engagement model. Then once you have the engagement model, you move into a playbook. Some people at work told me to gray some of this stuff out, but I still think you can read a lot of it. So steal, steal, steal. Once we put it together, we wanted to put together a playbook, right? Like what happens first? And I think the most important aspect of this is that this is not a marketing exercise. This is an organization exercise. So it's working with sales, it's working with marketing, it's working with customer success to understand when somebody comes on board, how successful are they? What makes them successful? What are the things they're trying to do? That really informs the content that you're putting at the different stages and how you're gonna talk to them at each stage of this. And you know, in talking to some of my peers, the best campaigns we run is when you're not sending a singular message, but you're hitting people with multiple messages from different angles and different places. Because again, if that email gets ignored, you want to make sure they might see that piece of content in social, or you might want to make sure that they get an email from an account executive, or you might want to make sure that they are invited to an event or whatever it might be. So building out the playbook started to become really, really important for us to understand what's the cadence. And again, when the cadence isn't working, you know where it's breaking down. Content. So this is a big one, right? Like what kind of content do you actually create? And this goes back to the idea of personalization, authenticity, relevance, all of these things, and scalability, mostly scalability because everyone's like, let's create the most awesome content ever that's perfectly aligned to exactly what this person's doing. But for mid-touch, that's just not possible. So when I showed you that potential scale, one of the things you'll note that the amount of people in no-touch is actually larger than the amount of people in mid-touch, which is actually high-touch is the least amount of people. But they have the most the potential. So you want to spend a lot of your uh, marketing calories on them. So for mid-touch, we went back and started creating some very industry-specific content, making sure that it was vertical-specific. It was very aligned to the job functions and the things that these people needed to do. When we were going to make outreach via email, we were leveraging the data that we were getting from lead space to actually do some form of dynamic content, right? So even if it's something simple, which we all know, drop somebody's job title in, the company name, all these different things, it helps, it does. Otherwise, we wouldn't be using those technologies. And I think that the other aspect of it was to connect on something more personal. And again, if you looked at our framework, 
in the first step of it, one of the things that everybody wants to know is what is their competition doing? So we really played into that a lot and made sure that as we were sending things out, we had a lot of areas where someone was either like, ooh, what are they, I don't care about this technology, but what was my competition doing? Because that's that ability to peak interest. So that was kind of the mid-touch relevant content and how we did that. The next piece was high touch. And this was super personalized content. And we actually went back and built this content with the sales teams. I didn't let my content people write a single word until they went to sales and said, okay, if you're gonna go into these accounts, what would be the email that you would send? And we had them write those emails and then we converted those emails into content. And I can't tell you how appreciative they were of this because now their email just didn't look like everybody else's. It was fancy. And they liked that because it represented the image of the company and who we were. We went as, even as far as to actually build custom web pages for some of these prospects where they could actually go to a web page and toy around with stuff where they could see the functionality of what our platform was going to enable them to do. That was the value. But it was extremely, extremely time-consuming. So we had to make sure we were only doing this for the high-touch customers. So everybody asks, that's all great. That was really cool. I appreciate that. But how are you measuring this stuff? How are you going back and saying to somebody within your organization, account-based marketing works? And, you know, we've talked about this, uh, you know, the idea of different measurements. Again, Joe, I think you talked about the idea of a marketing-qualified account, things like that, and how are you going to do it? But ultimately, the biggest thing that we came back to was how much business did we close that was coming from our ICP. And so when we started the ABM program, it wasn't that much. But over time, as we started to get good at this, what we noticed was more and more of the accounts were coming in from our ICP. Now, I was practicing this at home and um, going through these slides, and I got to this point, and I was presenting in front of my wife, and she was doing this whole thing. And she goes, you know what this reminds me of? Remember in like every 80s movie, there's that moment where there's a slow clap? She was like, that's what this reminds me of. She's like, it's that idea that like, it kind of started as like one person, it was awkward, it was weird. And then all of a sudden more just started happening and it was all coordinated, it was really cool. So she actually said, I bet you can't make all of these people do a slow clap. So even though she's not here, I'd like to prove her wrong because that's my goal in life, right? To make sure I'm right at least one time a year. I want to start a slow clap. So Sangram, if you could just start the clap. We all know how this works. People start joining in. Come on, keep it going. Everybody get in. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Faster, it has to go faster, it has to go faster. It needs to get louder. I actually just wanted you to applaud for me just in case at the end you didn't think any of this was valuable. Um, but that was the idea, right? Like this started really slow and it was awkward. A, pe- a couple people got it. But as things started to get on and the larger people started to really understand it, it took on a thing of its own and it became momentum. And again, the interesting aspect is not only were we getting more of these accounts in, but our average order value was going up too. And this is because we really spent time thinking about our ideal customer profile, what's valuable to them, and ultimately what we could deliver. And as a result, as those customers were coming in, they're like, yeah, this makes a ton of sense. So we didn't find ourselves negotiating on contracts and things like this because they were already bought into what we were doing. It made a ton of sense. They were the right accounts. We identified the right people. 
And so again, like this was the metric that I used to go back. More sales from ICP accounts and higher average order values from those. And that really made people start to see that return on the investment. Well, my key takeaways were apparently not in this slide deck, so I'll just talk you through them real quickly. There's a difference between account-based advertising and account-based marketing. And again, that's my humble opinion, but I believe it to be true. So go back and think about how you're going to identify the right accounts. And then once you have them, how are you going to progress them through the process? The second kind of key takeaway is really around the fact that this is a journey. I just presented a whole bunch of stuff, but remember that started back in October of last year. And we're really in the middle of August now, and we're just starting to see the results of this. So when you go back and you have a lot of these ideas, remember that it's important to set your expectations correctly, that this isn't going to just all of a sudden one day turn on and everything's going to work amazingly. And I think the last takeaway is that you need support internally. So educating everyone within the organization of why you're doing this and the value of it is extremely important. So... If you guys have the opportunity, I would encourage you to start to invite more of your peers and coworkers to these events so they can get bought into it as well. So it doesn't have to be a slow clap. It can start with the applause at the end because everybody already understands what they need to be doing and how to think about this stuff. So that's really all I have to say about this. You know, at this point, uh, Sangram, I don't know if we want to take questions. Do we have time for that? Huge round of applause for Jeff. I think that was a great, great, great story. Thank you. That was, that was freaking awesome. Yeah, man. Thank you. I love the slow clap thing. I think that was pretty smart. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to call my wife. Like, it worked. <laughs> so let's uh, real quickly talk about the problems, right? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and if anybody has questions, please, you know, there will be mics up here and you guys can ask questions. Just, you know, come up front up here. Tell about the challenges, right? What was like the biggest yeah. challenge? Because it sounds pretty interesting. As you said, it's a slow clap kind yeah. of thing. But it's hard, right? It's a journey that yep. most marketers haven't been on for the last five, seven years. It yep. has been the lead-based journey. What you're, what you're really saying is that you're transforming your organization into doing something completely different. Yeah. Uh, and that requires a lot of convincing and buying and stuff like that. But yeah. what, how do you do that? What was your biggest challenge? So I think the biggest challenge is, you know, everybody still wants to see the same metrics. So they want you to go back and be reporting on all the things that you're reporting on. And there's that kind of temporary ding on yeah. a lot of them that happens. So that's definitely a big challenge, right? You still have to hit the goals that your organization wants you to hit. Yeah. So again, that idea of the expectation setting and saying to people like, we're going to reallocate budget. We're not going to see the return on this. But you need to set a clear expectation on when you're going to see that return. So they can go back on that specific day that you told them and say, are we seeing it now? Yeah. Um, but really, really setting it up that this is going to take a little time. This is going to take a little time. That, that's awesome. All right. Well, I know we're running out of time. But do you have would be one more question if you wanted to ask? Go ahead. You can go use the mic up there. Hi, I'm curious. What percentage of your budget did you spend on this uh, ABM and ABA programs? I mean, from a direct percentage perspective, I would say it's probably closer to like the 65%. And it's not that we were doing, we were putting the money in different places. It's just we were doing it differently. So I was still doing advertising and putting the budget into it. So I, I guess I would, I would change my answer. My, my percentage allocations haven't changed at all. It's how I'm using those 
those resources is really changed. So again, still using a LinkedIn, still using a Madison Logic, still doing events, still doing all these things, but rather than going in and using kind of your standard filtering criteria, it's going back and saying, here's a list of accounts that I want leads from. And if you can't deliver on this, well, then I'm not gonna use you again. So it, it's that mindset change. I think it's not budget as much as mindset change. Again, thank you so much, Jeff. Flip My Funnel is on a mission to build the largest and most engaged community of B2B professionals in the world. Join the movement at flipmyfunnel.com. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Thank you.